I hate this podcast. <laughs> no, you don't! Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Who Talks First. I'm one of your hosts, I'm CT. I'm your other host, I'm Solo. In this week's episode, we're going to be going through the last Jedi novelization and the junior novelization, which I'm the only one that has read them. Yep. <laughs> so it's going to be a lot of me talking. Yep. And a lot of you going, wow. Uh-huh. Why? So before we get into the heart of the podcast, we do have a couple of new Star Wars things to announce. Uh, the first one is that John Favreau is now the head of the live action TV, Star Wars TV series. Who's that? Oh my god. <laughs> I'm, I'm expecting this like political commentary because that's what I'm ready for. I literally have no idea who he is. Uh, he's a very good director. He did mm-hmm. the uh, live action Jungle Book, but you okay. probably... I'm trying to think of acting roles. He's di- he's been an Iron Man, but he also directed uh, a few of the a few of those. I'm not maybe just one of them. But well, I liked the live action Jungle Book. Yeah, he's a vi- he is a and he's directing the live a- action Lion King. So we actually saw okay. him speak at D23. Wow. <laughs> but I, I mean, have seen I, this man before. <laughs> yeah, no, you've seen him in person. But the thing with this is, I think he's a very good director, and I think all of these choices are very good directors. Oh, is this about another straight white guy directing Star Wars? Yep. Yeah. And I'll be completely honest with you, people from Lucasfilm keep coming out, and they keep kind of insulting the fans who are upset by this, by saying, you don't know what's down the pipeline, like, there's exciting announcements coming soon, but where are they? Yeah, where? You've been saying this since, (laughs) like... JJ. Since JJ, and... It's just been white guy after white guy after white guy. They're like, don't, we're gonna do an Ahsoka movie eventually, we think, maybe. But if they did an Ahsoka movie, I, I assume Dave Filoni would direct that one. He would, 100%. He's the one who's fighting for that Ahsoka movie. And I think that would still say animated, but I don't know that. Okay, well, if it was animated, okay. But if it's like a live action movie, I don't want Dave Filoni to direct that. <laughs> You will have a lot of people disagreeing with you on that point. Well, yep. Well, yes. But I will. also, we didn't like Rebels, so yep. we're, <laughs> we were very disappointed. And the more I think about it, the more angry I get. So, yep. Uh, <laughs> moving on. I would want a woman direct that movie. I would like a woman directing something or a yeah, person of anything. color. Yeah. Just put like put ahead of something in Star Wars. And yeah, we do have Kathleen Kennedy as the head, but it's. An interesting pattern that she doesn't seem to give other women power in, like, director or writer roles. Mm-hmm. And I just want to see that happen. And I hope it's coming soon. And I just wish they would have delayed these, like, Binoff and Weiss and uh, Favreau announcements until they had something more diverse to announce. Because yeah. they're acting like they have it. They're like, just you wait. Like it's coming are. down the pipeline. But you just keep making these announcements. I'm like, hold off. I... I, this TV show and this series of movies aren't happening for a while. I don't need to know who's running them right now. Mm-hmm. So, if you have a more diverse announcement, make it. Yeah. Yeah. Make it, make it before people give up. Mm-hmm. And turn away from you. Yeah. Because you're starting to get to that point, especially when, like, I do love that we have a strong character like Rey, and, like, we have a lot of female-centric show like well 
We just have a lot of good, we do have a lot of good mm-hmm. females in the universe right now. But it would still be nice. I feel like you respect fictional women more than you respect actual women. That's a good point, actually. You, you know, it, it, it's getting really confusing. And I believe, like, if Carrie were here, I, I'm like, would she be letting them get away with it without saying something? Because I feel like Carrie would be saying something. Yeah, I'm just I'm looking forward to the day they actually can make make the announcement. But for now, I again, this has nothing to do with the the actual director choices because no. I think they're all very good, and I'm not like mad about any of them. I was most angry about Colin Trevorrow, and he's gone. So that's very true. And I wasn't even that mad about Colin Trevorrow. I was just worried. I was just worried. He's (laughs) he's done some not so great stuff in the past, but I did like his statements about how he was approaching Nine. Did I think he could do it well? Probably not. And that's why he's probably gone. Mm. But we have JJ back and that, like, that's a choice I do definitely super understand because... As much as they say that they're, oh, they were making this up on the fly. They don't say it like that, but Mm -hmm. they're saying, oh, each director does their own vision. They're obviously building towards something. And so I'm glad they show someone who's been there for a round, who who knew what they were building towards. Right. But yeah, I look forward for the day that we have a more diverse announcement. But, and I I also think, I, I, I haven't been shy about this, but... I think they're doing a little too much Star Wars too quickly. The fact that Absolutely. we're going to be getting two movies a year, live action TV shows, multiple live action TV shows, uh, multiple animated series going at the same time. I think this is, for me, a, a pretty bad decision. At least for me. Or, be, yeah. I'm going to let you know something. I'm not going to watch all those TV shows. I don't think I am. I don't think I'm going to be able to keep up with it. We're going to... We'll see how they are. If they're good, I'll let I, you know. Yeah, I mean, if they're good, I'll definitely give them... Give them a few... <laughs> no, there's just... There's a episodes. lot happening. And I want to be able to involve myself in as, as much as possible. But I've already had to cut, like, comics out from my yeah. Star Wars stuff. Like, I can't keep up with those. There's too mm. many. And I'm having a hard time keeping up with the books. But... With all this happening, I feel like part of the appeal for Star Wars is that it comes back every 10, 15 years after going quiet for a while and you don't really know if it's coming back. But it also has the books and the TV shows going on in the movie break. Mm-hmm. So you still have content and yes. you have the middle ground of this kind of lower level media. I hate to say lower level media, but it's it's media not as many people get. Yeah, it's media that you actively have to seek out. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense. It is because I mean, I'll, I it's more of an more people watch the movies and watch Rebels. Yeah, absolutely. So, I think that's kind of the fun of Star Wars is the movies have its time to shine and then it goes back and now it's for the books and a TV show and then the movies can come back. Mm-hmm. And that's why I really actually like the anthology movies because they were just like one standalone. Yes. But they're announcing multiple trilogies. No, I I like the standalone movies. I do too. It doesn't even have to be within the universe. You can still give me a good standalone movie, I think. Yeah. And this is coming from someone who has a very difficult time wanting nine Mm -hmm. to be the last movie or Mm -hmm. not. Because ideally, yes, I do. Because I want nine to be a happy ending where Kylo lives and Everyone just lives happily ever after, and there's no future conflict because they solved it. Yeah. Because 10, 11, 12 would mean, oh, 
Something went wrong. And Kylo would for sure die in 10, 11, 12. He's, he would probably be the Han slash Obi-Wan character. So, yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. I want my boy to live. Live a good life. But, yeah, I there's just a lot going on right now. So let's, we'll see how it, it goes. We'll see how much we're into it. But I haven't been super impressed with the, yeah, the way they took TV shows. But without getting, talking too much about that, because that was our past episode, and we definitely don't want to be the podcast that is negative. Is negative, and at least- We're not negative Nancys. Well, we are negative Nancys. Yeah, we are. But I don't want people to ever feel like- <laughs> They're not allowed to be excited. About something, not. or like yeah. something, because we don't. But anyway, let's get into the Star Wars Expanded Edition, The Last Jedi Novelization by I- Jason Fry. I'm just staring. Like, I know that this is the same Kylo image that we see all the time, but his hair looks especially floofy. Oh, they just added a bunch of hair right okay. there. So the cover we're looking at is actually the Emerald City Comic Con cover. We did not go to this convention, but I offhandedly made a sort of joke, but not joke, to a friend being like, hey, if you're at the con, you should overnight me this book. So they I could did. read it early, because it came out early at Emerald City Comic Con. And then what, they did. A whole two days early? No, I actually got it like four days early. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so he sent it on Thursday, we got it Friday, and it mm-hmm. came out on Tuesday. Got it. But, so I just read the whole book the whole day, and I have a bunch of markers. Overall, um, I liked it. I definitely think I had more fun reading the Force Awakens novelization, mm-hmm. but that's because it was really, like, cheesy bad. Uh-huh. And I just had, I like stupid things. We know this. If things are dumb and stupid, I have a really good time you reading do. them. And so I think I actually did enjoy reading the TFA novel a little bit more. But I did, I did really enjoy this book. This book is uh, much better written. And before we get into spoiler territory, just so you know, the this is going to be a spoiler talk about the book. It's going to be a spoiler cast. So if you haven't read the book... Like me. <laughs> I'm going to be spoiling it for both our audiences and you. Yep. So, yeah, let's... let's Live spoiling. Here it happens. Let's get into it. You're getting raw reactions. Yeah, basically, you will. Because I want to read... I have all these passages marked out that I'm going to read for you, and I kind of want you to... Wow. <laughs> Just do that every time. But... I want is to... it me, or is it Owen Wilson? <laughs> Who knows? The game. Uh, kind of tell me why you think I pulled that particular passage. And it's gonna, the answer is always gonna be, because it looks like they're gonna kiss. <laughs> That's it, always. Because bleeding and them kissing. Right? Because it sounds like that they'll probably kiss in the future. Mm-hmm. Before we get into spoiler talk, uh, I did kind of give a spoiler-free review at the end of last week's podcast. And nothing's really changed. I think there was some really good scenes in here. I think there was some not-so-great scenes in here. I think... This book massively suffered for having, uh, I shouldn't say massively suffered, but it was very clear this was written by a man Mm -hmm. who doesn't quite understand the female perspective and what would be going through, like, a a woman's head in this moment. And since a lot of this is through Ray's point of view, a lot of the movie is, I feel like he even changed a lot of perspectives to be... When it was originally from Ray's point of view, he changed it to be, like, from Luke's point of view, you know? Interesting. Well, and this is from the junior novelization. I won't be going as deep into the junior novelization, Mm -hmm. because that one was nothing to write home about for Mm -hmm. me. 
which is interesting because I actually found the TFA junior novelization much better than the adult novelization for TFA. But, and it was written by the same author, but this one, there was just nothing there. And for the the hand-touchy scene in the junior novelization, it was written from Luke's point of view. And I do get that they don't want to step, and actually Jason Fry spoke about this, is that he didn't want to step on the toes of Nine, so he didn't want to get into, like, those characters, like, the characters involved heads, which I I definitely understand. But as a reader who is most looking forward to knowing more about Kylo in particular, or even more about Rey. Yeah, because they're, they're both still very mysterious. You want to know where their heads are at, and you want it on paper. Yeah. So it was kind of a bummer to see it fast-forwarded through. Damn. Yeah, so let's let's get into the book. So the book starts off with this dream sequence with Luke, basically, if he had never left Tatooine. And so the Empire is still reigning. He's just on Tatooine with a fake wife, or rather a real wife in his dream, mm. uh, named Cammie. And I, forgive me if I'm wrong about this, I'm 99% sure Cammie is the, the second female character that was in A New Hope but was cut from the film. So she was one of Luke's friends mm. in A New Hope, but she was cut from the film originally. Hmm. I could be wrong about that, but that's what I remember her being. So, <laughs> But he's married to her. And this is where they start bringing up the themes of letting the past go. So I'm just going to read this first passage. Let the past go. That's what Cammie always told him. But staring into the darkness, Luke found that once again, he couldn't take her advice. So this is still the dream sequence. Mm -hmm. And I find it very, like, interesting that they're bringing up this theme. From Luke's point of view. Yeah. Kylo's. Exactly. And they've been doing this even in Rebels. They really were emphasizing the let the past go kind of theme, which is definitely interesting because Kylo's wrong, but they're really emphasizing this as a powerful theme, and I just wonder how it's going to be further addressed. Well, it definitely makes me think that, okay, Kylo's wrong in his actions, but maybe his words have some merit. Mm -hmm. Like, let the past go. No, you can do that. Like... But don't, don't kill a bunch of innocent people while you do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, you can... Where you're like, Kylo, I hear what you're saying. Just, you're taking it too extreme. You don't need to let your attachments and anger about the past mm-hmm. control you. Yeah. But also, that we don't mean literally kill everyone. Yeah. Please. So, there were a lot of added scenes. Of course, like, the the dream sequence mm-hmm. was added. That wasn't in the yeah. movie. And that would have confused a lot so of the beginning people. scenes in the book, yeah. We'd be like, what? Luke's married on Tatooine? The Empire's still around? What the hell? And they even addressed that, like, Leia was killed. If Luke had never left that, he, she would have been executed. Right. It's, it was really sad. We go, no, Leia in this universe. And that the Empire said that before she was executed, she said that everyone should just get along and there should be no rebellion. And then Luke was like, it's interesting that we never saw her actually say, say that. that. Yeah. They cut that out. Which has a lot to do with Star Wars fandom right now. Maybe you should listen to the quotes people actually say instead of making stuff up and being like, this is law, even though we have no proof that he ever said this ever. Yep. This, like, ten people are gonna know what I'm talking subtweeting. about. Subtweeting. But subtweeting live. Live subtweeting. So then one of the next scenes that Jason adds to the novel is Han's funeral. And so this is just a little passage from Leia. 
mm. at when she's speaking at Han's funeral. And they're evacuating, meanwhile, this is happening. Oh. Han didn't want to know the odds when he and Chewbacca flew back to the Death Star in time to save my brother Luke, and the last hope for our alliance, she said. He didn't ask about them when he accepted a general's rank for the ground assault at Endor. He didn't want them calculated when he fought for freedom at Kashyyyk. And he refused to think about them when he saw a way to fly through the First Order's shield and infiltrate Starkiller base. And when he agreed to reach out to our son, she might have added, to reach out and try to draw him back from the darkness. But she didn't say that. Leia had given everything she had to Alderaan and then to the Alliance, the New Republic, and now the Resistance. But that was hers alone. I just really like that a lot. That's really... That hurts. I know. I, I really only pulled that one because it hurt. That's a really good one. Mm-hmm. And you kind of get this really... Like, the the love that she has for her family. And you also... It's kind of curious because I think that the, the Resistance knows Kylo is her son. But, like, that makes me think, like... Maybe not. Maybe she's still hiding it because she's like, no, this is mine. Yeah. This is mine, and also, he's still my son, and I'm still gonna try to protect him. And the sacrifice is, like, that Han made, that was for me. And Mm. so this is, like, my business, and Mm -hmm. mine alone. But I I really wonder if they'll ever kind of make a deal of... Who knows that Kylo is her son? Because we know it was a big thing with... uh, Them finding out Darth Vader was her father. Right. So you wonder if that... It's ever gonna come up. Ever gonna come up, or if it ever would have come up, because we know Leia won't have a part in nine, which yeah. is, uh, just such a bummer. Now, uh, moving forward, we're back. This is, like, later on. I just found this part interesting because it addressed a difference that I noticed in, from TFA to TLJ, and mm-hmm. so this is on the Dreadnought. Kennedy's warrant officer Baskus was gazing at the holographic screen and tracking the cannon's progress with something akin to ecstasy on his face. Kennedy scowled. His crew was half his age with scant experience outside of battle sims. Alright, so that was basically that quote. So who's that for? What, what Captain Kennedy uh, was the character of the Captain of the Dreadnought, so it went down. Oh, okay. The older, the older gentleman. Yes, okay. But when... When I, we were watching the movie for the first time, in TFA, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't recall seeing any First Order officers, if you saw their faces, over the age of, like, 25. They were all kids. Yeah, you're right, actually. Like, I feel like Hux is the oldest one, and he's a general, mm-hmm. and he's still very, very young for a general. Yes. I, I, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that was really emphasized in TFA how young everyone in the First Order was, that none of them were ever really around for the Empire. Yeah, I can't really picture it, except and, for that guy. That and now, yeah, now in TLJ, there's a, there's a lot of older mm-hmm. officers around, especially, in, like, Kennedy was older, uh, there was a few other older gentlemen talking to Hux that were clearly part of the Empire back mm-hmm. in its day. So it was an interesting adjustment from the J.J. Abrams first order that was all just young kids mm-hmm. to the TLJ version where it was the old Empire guys and these like clueless young kids who don't really know what they're doing. Yeah. Either they joined because they wanted something to fight for or they, or were... they just wanted a fight to fight or something. Mm-hmm. 
Or they, or they were, were kidnapped. Brainwashed, you know. Brainwashed. It was just interesting that, th- I like that they brought that up. There, yeah. That everyone in the First Order is quite... Young. Young. And probably didn't make the best decisions <laughs> into being Maybe here. a little naive. Uh, the next passage I pulled is from Hux. It's on um, page 63 of the book. If oh, you, I know I could be that in-depth. And page, actually, what line? Line, uh, how many lines down? I'm not gonna count. <laughs> <laughs> I just have a, I, I used, uh, Bingley, because I have, my, all of my bookmarkers are Pride and Prejudice bookmarkers, so I used Bingley for Hux, just because they look similar. How dare you. Just kidding. But, if you're, if you're pulling no. physical comparisons, not yeah, character comparisons, so. Hux is nothing like Bingley. Bingley's my good boy. He's a good, good boy. But he looks the most like Hux. <laughs> Hux knew the force was real. His body still ached from being slammed to the deck of the finalizer, but such sorcery was the last dying echo of ancient history, unreliable and unpredictable, where technological prowess delivered certainty. Snow commanded no legions of force warriors as the Jedi once had. No children were plucked from the ranks of the First Order stormtroopers after displaying abilities beyond those of ordinary beings. There was just Snoke and the loathsome creature Kylo Ren, and Skywalker whom Snoke and Ren had hunted so avidly at the expense of much else that needed doing. So what's super interesting to me about that is they even mentioned that some of those people in the First Order might have, like, Force powers, but Snoke does not give a shit about training them. This is one of those paragraphs that I that might become totally irrelevant when Nine comes out, mm-hmm. because this also maybe implies something about the Knights of Ren, because wouldn't they have sort of been... We assume they're Force u- users. We assume mm. they're the other students that Kylo took with him. Mm-hmm. We assume that. We don't know that. We don't. So that could be totally untrue. Some people have theorized in the past that the Knights of Ren are, in fact, dead. And before, and that was kind of Kylo's final test to Snoke, to proving himself, was killing the Knights of Ren. Could be, yeah. Which, that could be true. There's no real backing for it, besides the fact that they're not around. Mm-hmm. But it is interesting that they're making a point that there's really no other Force users around. I mean, and also, who's to say that Snoke just didn't take them, and they're not still, still like, out there waiting for Kylo, where Kylo was like, don't worry, guys, I'm gonna come back. I'm gonna come back Because now he's the supreme leader. Yeah, and I really feel like not using the Knights of Ren in Nine is kind of a mistake, because you did seriously drop your villain count yeah, in you did. Eight. And I feel like you need another group of villains because Kylo's still conflicted. Deny it as much as you want. He's still conflicted. He's probably going to get some sort of redemption arc, whether he survives or not. Whether Kylo lives or not is really the only part of of his redemption that I question. Yeah. I don't doubt that he's going to go through a redemptive arc and end the movie making a good decision. And also, you killed the the freaking Pantoran guards, which were so cool. And, like, how are you going to have a cool fight scene like that again? If you don't have more bad guys. I'll say it once, I'll say it again. My dream climax for episode 9 is a super small scale battle between the Knights of Ren and the core resistance members. So, not a huge battle, but just yep. the 7-8 Knights of Ren and the resistance members that we've come to know. So, Rose, Finn, Poe, mm-hmm. Ray, Connix. She's there. <laughs> she hasn't have, had her name said, but... Like, who the... Billy Lord. Oh, okay, okay, Leia's- okay. Leia's daughter, but not Leia's, Carrie Fisher's daughter. Yeah. But she got a bigger role in this movie. She did. Comics. Hmm. The next mark I have is also from uh, Hawks' perspective. 
Snoke had shepherded the First Order through its years in the galactic wilds, transforming a band of Imperial refugees into a weapon forged to reclaim the galaxy. As such, he would always be remembered. But Hux knew the future would need a different kind of leader, one able to direct the galaxy's industries and nurture their innovations while commanding its citizens' respect. Snoke wasn't that leader, and neither was Ren. Which, this is from Hux's perspective. (sighs) I was one of those people who severely doubted that Hux would really be able to take the big bad position in Nine, or that he would rise to power and be not slimy enough to kind of form a coup. But it kind of, the way they write Hux a lot, Mm -hmm. he very much wants to run this thing. Yeah, and I mean, everything in Hux's, like, lore, besides The Last Jedi, has staged him as, like, a cunning cutthroat. Mm-hmm. And in the movie, they made him out to be a joke. And that's why we were like, well, there's no way he's the big bad guy in the next movie. But I'm like, maybe. Because even the actor, when he's talk talking about Hux, he even has to address that Hux isn't that important, guys. Mm-hmm. It's like, guys, I don't... Hux isn't that important. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm not the person doing all of this stuff. But it really kind of seems like he might be... Something to worry about. Something to worry about in episode 9. So this next excerpt is from Kylo when he's in Snoke's throne room for the first time. How's your wound? Snoke Snoke asked, making no effort to find derision in his question. I don't know how to sound like Kylo. I'm just kind of like a plug my nose. We've already given Kylo a voice. Oh, it's nothing, (laughs) Kylo said. That wasn't true. The lightsaber slash to his face had been closed with micro-sutures, but Kylo could, would bear its scar for the rest of his life. And his abdomen ached where a bolt from Chewbacca's bowcaster had struck, a blow that would have been instantly fatal if Kylo hadn't instinctively contained its energy in the, with the Force. I really pulled that one for no other reason besides I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Besides that they were like, we're gonna explain how he didn't instantly die. He absorbed the energy. It kind of reminds me of like the Black Panther suit. Yeah. Kylo is just a human Black Panther suit, and then he just kinetic energy, and then he just... But one of my theories from... For a while now is that I think Kylo's kind of... Kylo and Rey combination of them is kind of going to be the super weapon of Nine. Like, some sort of weird force ability. I mean, that goes back to our Harbinger of Doom Harbinger of Doom. Not letting it go, even though it's really dead. Not letting it go. No, guys, it's not dead. That's our thing. The Harbinger of Doom theory is our thing. That's, yep. And also not being the best one. Yeah, we have two things. Those two. I mean, other people have that Mace Window is Snoke. Uh, They were wrong. (laughs) But we got Harbinger of Doom, which you can't disprove yet. Can't do it. Uh, This next quote is from uh, Rey when she is on... Octu. Octu. And she's referring to Luke when Luke has walked away. Let him think she'd given up. He'd soon discover otherwise. Jakku had trained her to do two things better than anyone else could. The first was to salvage broken things. The second was to wait. So if you are a Raylo, that's your, like, this is your end-all, be-all quote. It is the end-all, be-all quote. It is applied to Luke in this statement, but it's so clearly... Applied to I mean, Ray's journey in general. Yeah, it can work for everything. And I'll read a passage later on that so clearly... Well, Ray literally says she's gonna wait for Kylo. Like, that's... Yep. She's like, I'm really good at waiting, it's fine. And I really like how... Because originally I thought the statement was to fix broken things, but it's actually to salvage broken things, and I like that a lot better, because mm-hmm. it's 
not so much being like you have to change it's like rescuing rather and seeing getting the good out of what was there instead of changing it completely Mm -hmm. i i like the word salvage in particular yeah because salvage even can be because salvaging it is like you're even repurposing Mm -hmm. well fixing is like oh well i fixed it now it's back to being what it was no salvaging is like Changing it, repurposing it, and changing it to something better more than half the time. Yeah, I, I really like the wording of this. This next excerpt is from Leo's POV when she has kind of has the moment alone on the ship when they exp- and then when they leave hyperspace. I'm getting really good at words. <laughs> Shut up. When her family had been broken by betrayal, Luke's agony and guilt had whipped the force until it felt like a storm-wracked sea. She had been able to feel the churn of her brother's emotions, even if, as he had retreated, abandoning her in her most desperate hour. Overcome by her own anger and sorrow, she had let him go, and for at a time, she had wanted him far away. You did you did what you kind of did in Speech Jammers Challenge? I did. Where you were like, sorrow. <laughs> okay, so for those of you who didn't have to listen to the, the unedited version of this podcast... That took me like 20 times to read and that was the best one. So that's the one you're getting. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I really like this one because. Well, I like it because I like them acknowledging that Leia has the force and sometimes she can feel shit. Like, because we never get to see that in the movie. And that she was pissed at Luke for what happened. And that she, I love the quote that's like over time or like overcome by her own anger and sorrow she had let him go and for a time she had wanted him to leave mm-hmm. so it's not like they went after him she was like good She's fine leave. you fucked up i trusted you with my son mm-hmm. and you lost him and i uh i just every leia thing just makes me so sad that we're not going to get that final arc with her and her son mm-hmm. because we're never there's so much there because complete. it's so clear she just loves her boy so much and it's just something we never get to see in the Star Wars universe. Because, like, Shmi let Anakin go because she thought it was the best thing to do. Mm-hmm. But, like, we never we never get to see this, like, family. We never get to see, like, a family react. Because, I mean, you had you had Anakin and Luke, and that's the closest thing you get. And no offense, guys, it wasn't really done super well. Yeah. It, yeah. But I'm like, oh, it could have been so... I mean, there's nothing that could be done. No, I mean, it's just definitely a cheesy 70s movie time. Mm-hmm. And now we're actually in a place where I feel like movies are a lot better and they're a lot better written. Mm-hmm. And I especially would have loved to see this mother-son dynamic. Yep. Because it's so clear that Leia hurts so badly for her son and she blames herself and for what's happened to him. And she so believes, or wants to believe, that he's not gone forever, that he's not essentially dead like everybody else in her family. Mm-hmm. But at the end, she's so hopeless that she basically has to count him as one of, like, the fatalities, even though he's still technically alive. Mm. So it's just, it's really brutal. Yeah. And uh, I'm not going to read a quote from this, but I did find this interesting. Uh, originally, Finn had been very open about the fact that he was not here to fight a war. Uh-huh. And... Like, there's a line in here that he's talking to Poe, and he's like, I believe in what you guys are doing, but I didn't join an army, I just followed Ray here, and I <laughs> I don't want you to think that I'm something that I'm not. Mm-hmm. And Poe just replies, like, alright, you're, well, you're fighting with us now, buddy, good for you. And Finn's like, shit. <laughs> Crap. Shit. I tried no. being really open and honest about this, but, <laughs> uh, no, I didn't. No, that's not what I meant. No, not at all. I just found that interesting because that wasn't in the movie. It's mm-hmm. Finn's 
kind of, uh, I, I won't say betrayal, but his state of mind is more of a, it was more secret. It's more to him rather than him telling anyone else besides Rose. And then Rose is like, F you, zap. <laughs> the next passage I'm going to have you read. It's basically during the, uh, the fight off the exit hyperspace when the first order finds them. And it's the interaction between Leia and Kylo. She knew instantly it was Ben Solo, her son. Leia tried to stop herself from being drawn into her memories, even as she knew she wouldn't be able to resist. Ben in her womb, turning and tumbling in search of comfort, an ever-expanding radiance in the Force, but one shot through with the veins of shadow. Luke had reassured her that it was normal. The brighter light, the darker the shadow. She desperately hoped that it was true. Ben as a baby, red-faced and round, his hair had been black from birth, impossibly fine and delicate, the softest thing Leia had ever imagined. Ben is a toddler, forever following Han, carrying the dice from the Millennium Falcon, the ones his father had used to win the beloved battered freighter, and promised anyone who'd listen that one day he'd be a pilot too, like his daddy. In adolescence, his face grown lean above a strong jaw, a boy who'd always seemed alone, a churning storm in the force, and whose anger had begun to manifest in malfunctions and breakdowns and objects that fell off shelves, scattered with no one near. Ben, her son who'd been stolen from her and Han, stolen by Snoke's wiles and Luke's mistakes and his own furies, who'd become Kylo Ren, the champion of the First Order, and his father's murderer. I love This is probably my favorite excerpt from the book. Or actually, one of them. I, I have a particular favorite excerpt that's coming later. I love it. I, he does a really good job of Leia and, like, where Leia would be and everything I want to be able to see in these movies but mm-hmm. won't be able to. Yeah, I really don't have an issue with how he writes female characters most of the most of the time. He just makes some <laughs> crucial mistakes. Mm-hmm. Because I for the most part it doesn't bother me with how he writes Ray. I do think he wrote Ray during the shirtless scene like not well. Uh-huh. But I mean that could be one of those things that you just don't want to be given too much away. Right. And I think he writes Leia extremely well like in this passage. And I actually I really like some of the character choices he made for for Rose. Mm-hmm. I think he gave he would, Rose was a lot snarkier mm-hmm. and a lot grumpier, and that was kind of the thing we had gotten the impression of originally is that her nickname was Grumpy Pants, mm-hmm. and you don't really see her as being that grumpy. Never really. <laughs> like she has a few moments where she's like ugh, but she's never really that. I wouldn't have defined that as a character trait of hers. Absolutely not. And there are some things that I really disagree with how they wrote Rose's character, and I'll talk about that later. But well, I think. Where he falls short is women in romance, period. Like, he's like, oh, I can do mothers, I can do, like, women kind of alone as human beings, but when romance is involved, I'm confused. Yeah, that's where it suffers from male writer syndrome, and I feel like he, as an author, definitely focuses on what, like, male authors are interested in, which Mm -hmm. is, like, the ships and the scene, like... Specific things of scenes and electronics and technology. You said the ships, and I was like, yeah, no, me too. Oh. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh, wait, no, other ships. <laughs> but, you know, something like that. And there's an excerpt soon after what you had just read that's a bit more from Kylo's point of view, or it is from Kylo's point of view, him recalling his own childhood. For a moment, Kylo let himself recall his parents' worried conversations behind closed doors, the ones they deluded themselves into thinking he wouldn't know about. Conversations about the anger and resentment that had boiled over once again in their son. Conversations in which they talked about him like he wasn't their son, but some in some sort of monster. 
They were frightened of him, he realized. And so they got rid of him, sending him away to his Uncle Luke, whose betrayal would prove far worse. I, this, just, all of this is so good. And, like, here's another point where it's only in the book, and so people are going to pretend like it didn't happen or, like, it didn't exist. Because, like, we didn't see in the movie. And I'm like, we've seen this in, like, three or four books now. I really wish that they would emphasize more in the movie. And they even started to, but Star Wars isn't really known for flashbacks. And really, we had our first Star Wars flashback in The Last Jedi. And it wasn't even really a flashback. It was... Like a force. It was them recalling a memory and telling the story. And so I guess it was sort of a flashback, but it was still done in a different way. Yeah, because flashbacks normally don't cheat the narrative. Yeah, so this was... I wish that Kylo had a line or Leia or someone had addressed that he thought his parents thought he was a monster or... I mean, they had the perfect opportunity. Where he's like, you think I'm a monster? And... And she's like... And so the subtext there is freaking great. And that's why I love that line so much because that's the moment that Rey realizes that Kylo's kind of self-aware and he knows he's really self-destructive and he knows he's not... He still thinks he's doing the right thing, but he knows he's not okay. Like, he knows his mind isn't sound. He knows he's not happy. And, like, how easy would it have been to have a line, even though the lines were very good, but you also could have the line of, yeah, that's what my parents thought, too. (laughs) Hashtag same if you were uh, Han and Leia. Yeah. That's what he got. Uh, Hashtag same? Can Mm -hmm. you imagine Kylo Ren just... He's like, uh, hashtag same. (laughs) That's the line now. Perfect. And then when they end up shooting or not kylo but another torpedo shoots the bridge kylo even says if he hadn't been so surprised by the torpedo he would have stopped the torpedo mm-hmm. he would have been able to force stop, stop it. it and i like that this was a something kylo addresses yeah because i was going to ask you if there's anything in there from his pov or anything like that yeah he's kind scene. of the reason why he doesn't shoot is because leia isn't angry at him because mm-hmm. she's he's kind of like expecting he's like yeah be mad. I'm mm-hmm. going to shoot. Wait, why aren't you mad at me? Yeah, and... Was it exactly like that? It was basically kind of exactly like that. It's like, she was worried for him, he realized, but she wasn't angry. She ached for him to come back to her. Kylo depressed the trigger slightly, but not quite enough to fire. And then he lifted his thumb, but he couldn't do it. A moment later, Kylo's wingmate fired. And then Kylo was like, oh, I, I would have stopped it if I wasn't so surprised. Or, yeah, he was like, I was too busy in my own head yep. and wondering why my mommy wasn't mad at me. Yeah, why isn't mom mad at me? Mom should be mad at me. I'm acting out to try to get attention. <laughs> Jeez, it's not woking. <laughs> so back on Act 2, Rey's lineage is addressed even further when Luke and Rey are kind of having their first confrontation in the library. Uh, Rey says, the Resistance sent me. They sent you, but what's special about you? Jedi lineage? Royalty? Rey was none of those things, and after a moment's consideration, Luke seemed to sense that. An orphan, he said wearily. There you go. Not much to talk about, but- Confirmed. Confirmed. And so many times, guys. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that one was just me really marking that one so I could be annoyed by this fan base, which- Are, Are you sure? It's not- Star Wars fandom, I was about to say I love you, but I don't. I love, like, (laughs) seven of you. And you know who you are, seven of you. I love 2% of you. I love everyone who listens to our podcast. Yeah, I like those people. And there's, like, But I'm saying they probably make up 2% of the Star Wars fan base entirely. Well, I would, like, say that the, the the fandom is 
the problem. The fan base is huge. Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, yeah. I would say... Fan I, th- I would say there's a difference. All the people who see the movies who like Star Wars, that's, like, one-sixth of the world's population, right. I feel like. But the fandom is this much smaller... I would say it's probably in the 10, 20,000 people, but they're the most annoying people. <laughs> well, I'm part of it. I can say that, but that's where the worst of it comes from. So you we're fine. Oh my God, Skyhawk, what you mean? I'm waiting for you, so you I don't ju- have to. <laughs> I don't want to read it, but I need to like, like say where we are in the book. You can just say the quote. Yes, you can. Oh, we're finally in the Force Bond scenes, and... <laughs> Uh, all right, now you can say the line now. You will bring Luke Skywalker to me, he said. <laughs> but unlike on, but unlike on Star Killer, no invisible fingers burrowed into Ray's brain to root through her thoughts and secrets. Unlike on Takadana, her body responded to her commands, not his. They were just words, and they held no power over her. Wow, guys! But Kylo was Kylo force manipulating her the whole time. Yeah, he had power over her. In- even though we he said was manipulating no. her and with through the force the entire time, even though there's like literally a paragraph right here that says, in in this dynamic right now where it stands through this force bond, he cannot manipulate her. And also, it was pretty obvious in the movie. Mm-hmm. But, it was, but okay. a lot of people are still playing devil's advocate. Yeah, still doing that. But I just like that they took the time to. Like, Kylo isn't lying. He is not manipulating her, on like, intentionally. Or with, mal- uh, with, with malice. malice. Yeah. He's, sure, he's not making the best choices, obviously. And he says certain things to her because he thinks that's how they're relating to each other. Mm-hmm. Which are douchey things to say. But, but we also know Kylo's not a super... He's not so suave. He doesn't really take after his dad so much. Well, I mean, Han also wasn't very good at talking. <laughs> he was not. How are you? <laughs> How's everything going? Uh, whoop. The next excerpt that I have is on a related note, and it's the second Force Bond scene. Where Ray is underneath the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, and it's raining. Raining. Um, He came within a meter or two of Ray, and she wondered what would happen if she refused to move and they intersected. Would she find herself in his mind again and have to endure his presence in hers? Could they actually touch across a galaxy? I just like that. She's already thinking about touching. <laughs> I know you That's did. That's the only reason I'm like, no. That deserved a bookmark. It deserved a bookmark because she she's was already like, thinking about it. Can we touch? <laughs> the next excerpt that I have pulled is actually from Friend and Rose's perspective. And this is actually where I started becoming a little bit... Because there were some really cute moments between Finn and Rose. And the one that I have marked is really cute. But I will say, this is my biggest criticism in the book is that they really focused on Rose being very, very jealous of Ray and very bitter towards Ray, even though, yeah, and she's going through a lot with her sister, but she's noting how handsome Finn is, but then going, too bad, she's upset, he's obsessed with Ray, and it just kept coming up. I think it comes up like seven times, and Finn even keeps uh, refusing it. Right. She's She says things to him like... If you weren't so obsessed pining after Ray, and he's like, I'm not pining after Ray. She's my friend and I care about her. Like, I want her to be safe. Wouldn't you want Paige to be like if you could go back and save Paige, wouldn't you have done that? Mm-hmm. And that's where I kind of wish 
the jealousy arc ended. Because I'm definitely okay with it being brought up. I, I wish it... I'm glad it was cut out of the movie. Yes, me too. We do know that there was a deleted scene. I'm not sure if this deleted scene is even on the DVD. I hope not. Side note, you were right. It was sewer, not sewer. Wait, what? There's a deleted scene, and we talked about this when we ta- in our few podcasts ag- ago. Mm-hmm. And the... The scene is called Not a Great Sewer, mm-hmm. but sewer and sewer are spelt the same way. Right. So I read it as sewer, and you corrected me. You're like, don't you mean sewer? I'm like, no, it says sewer. It's oh. definitely sewer. Okay. It just, that word, re- surprisingly, as a person who is, who's, who at one point was a seamstress, <laughs> I read it as sewer before sewer. <laughs> well, I mean, that's English for you. Yeah, but it's we- stupid. But yeah, there was a deleted scene that- where Ray Rose kind of brings up the Finn and Rose or Finn and Ray stuff, and she's kind of bitter about it. But that, that ended up being cut from the film, and I, I don't. Hope it's think, not even on. The I don't. Item. I don't even think it is on the DVD, but I don't know that. It might. I hope be. it's not because we don't need this this bullshit women rivalry for no reason. Yeah, it's a bullshit woman rivalry for no reason. It kind of baits the Finn Ray relationship mm-hmm. and. If that's what they end up doing in the end, at that at this point, I do really doubt it because of mm-hmm. what they've set up in this movie, and I think it would be really weird to go that route after what happened in The Last Jedi, but it could. But I'm glad they cut whatever was in the movie with Rose's jealousy. And... Because there's other ways to show her, like, anger yes. and her resentment towards Paige. And it kind of made her motivation seem really disingenuine. Yeah, it seems like that, and also... I mean, we talked about this a little bit, but if she ideal like if she idealizes Finn for being this great hero, mm-hmm. why wouldn't she then hold Ray at the same position? It doesn't make any sense for the narrative. I I agree with that completely because she's like, oh, because Ray's now the fucking like new Jedi, and mm-hmm. those were like myths for most people. So like, why would she not be like, oh shit, that girl's fucking sweet? Yeah, and so like. This is right after Finn kind of denies. He's like, I'm not pining for Ray. And then he just says, I was raised to fight in an army for a cause. And then I met Ray, And th- for me, that was what my cause was. And she was nice to me. Mm-hmm. And so that was who I was fighting for. And then and then Rose kind of has this moment where they start joking around about Ray becoming a Jedi. And it's cute. And Rose is like, when she comes back, do you think she'll have, uh, do you think she'll be a Jedi? Like in the stories? And Finn's like, no, Ray's not going to be a Jedi. She's, she'll, she'll never be a Jedi. And Rose is insisting that Ray is going to be different when she comes back, but Finn's really kind of in- insisting that she'll be the same. And they're just joking about her having a rat, ta- rat tail. Mm-hmm. And then Rose says something like, she's on her own path. You need to find yours. And Finn's like, thank you, wise master Rose. And I think that's, that's a really cute scene. That's really cute. I, I would have actually really liked that. And then she calls him youngling afterwards. Very cute. Very, it's a very cute scene. And that one I would have actually loved to have I in the movie. I wish that was in the movie. I would have been okay with this, like, weird pining scene if it led to that afterwards. Because mm-hmm. it's kind of a... You're getting the cute little, like, flirty thing there. It's not, like, outwardly flirty. But it's... But it's still cute, a cute, jokey relationship yeah. of them becoming closer. And then, be- yeah. With them, like, becoming closer as people and as friends rather than this like because it, it's kind of still a little pedestal-y mm-hmm. between the two of them yeah. but at least at the end i feel like they end on like equal footing yeah so i'm okay with it but and then the, the, just that paragraph ends with he smiled at rose who shook her head and continued looking for new rich people to dislike <laughs> i just like that sentence what a good girl <laughs> i'm gonna look for new rich people to hate 
fucking hate all of them. Me at work. So Luke and Ray are back in their training on Act 2, or rather Luke's starting his, like, lessons. Mm. And I, I just pulled this one line because I liked it. It's Luke saying to Ray, I don't know who's more dangerous, the pupil who wants to destroy me or the one who wants to become me. Mm. I like that a lot. Mm. I, like, I like that good shit. I just thought that was a good line. I like it a lot. And also, I like how fucking meta it is. Mm-hmm. Like, shut the fuck up, fanboys. Yeah, it really is, though. I actually surprisingly didn't mark this scene because I really liked it. It's the third lesson that was cut from the movie. And I thought it was just a really sweet but really tragic scene for Ray. And I feel like it would have really pushed the the betrayal and her motivations to go to Kylo. I really feel like that would have pushed that home. So we've talked about that before. There's a deleted scene. Luke... There's a party going on with the caretakers. Luke says it's a raid. Ray tries to go rescue the caretakers. And... It's a swinging party. And it's instead. a swinging party. And Chewbacca and R2 are already there. They're drinking with the caretakers. And is R2 drinking? R2's drunk. Not, I, I'm not serious. Okay, because I was like, what? He's wasted. <laughs> He's just spinning and was like, woohoo! <laughs> He's got a lampshade on his head. Yeah, that's exactly... He has, like, the nun bonnet on and he's just lighting up perfect he's he's getting lit because he can because he's a droid yeah and the caretakers are all like wasted too so they're all like ray because they all hate ray right but in the book they're all really excited to see her like oh my god come join the party we're gonna have sex tonight not with you not that's with on, you that sounded wrong <laughs> with with, uh, the, the, with our men with our men friends here but they're all just having this big welcoming party and I found this scene really sweet. I understand why people think it was a little too, like, sensual, I guess. Mm-hmm. But there's a scene, like, in this where Luke finally comes down and he's like, sorry that I lied to you. I didn't think you were going to run off. I thought I was trying to teach you a lesson and you ran off before I could tell you, ah, yeah. don't. And Ray's kind of like, she's upset, but she's still kind of thinking about it. And... Then Luke's like, well, come on, we'll just enjoy the party. We're here now. Mm-hmm. And then he asks her to dance with him. And I thought this scene was very sweet, personally. Mm-hmm. I've seen other reactions online. But I, I'm i not sure if this was a thing where you lived, but did you ever go to, like, father-daughter dances? Daddy-daughter dances. Yeah, okay, that was definitely, like, a thing in Michigan, at least. Absolutely. And you step on, you put your feet on your dad's shoes. Yep. And then he just dances around. And yep. you don't have to do anything besides Dana, stand on your dad's yep. feet. And I... That's why I'm like, this scene actually got me really emotional because, uh, like, Ray never had a childhood, so yeah. she never got those, like, it is a very, like, kiddie thing. Yeah. Or it can be, like, an adult thing because you also traditionally dance with your father yeah. once at your wedding, you know? It's, like, kind of both, mm-hmm. and she kind of never had that childhood, and this is, to me, it was a very fatherly moment. Yeah. And kind of just reminded Ray that she never had that. Did people think it was shippy and gross? Yeah. What? <laughs> I mean... People, okay, it is it is written, but very emotionally. But that's because I feel like it's it's coming from such an emotional place for Ray, uh-huh. personally. Yeah, guys. <laughs> okay, here's the thing. I like to ship a lot, but maybe don't put the shippers' goggles on for everything. <laughs> no, yeah, this there is- are different forms of love. Because <laughs> yeah, this broke my heart because when when that's happening, Ray's like, oh, I I don't know how to dance. 
and she she becomes very kiddish mm-hmm. and it just makes me so sad and it really adds to because right after this scene she snaps at luke she's like how you left everyone behind you were the legend that i looked up to you need to be that person again and she like runs off and right when she runs off that's when she that's when the shirtless scene with kylo happens mm-hmm. and i feel like this epitome of ray kind of realizing she never had a father figure in this fatherly moment it kind of really emphasizes why ray snaps at him of why did you hate your father mm-hmm. because that's the first thing that she says to him she's like why did you hate your father? <laughs> like yeah, because he's not wearing clothes. She's like, no, wait, no, my point still stands. Why? And I think... Get your tits I out of my face. I think if they would have had that scene beforehand, it just brings up Ray's abandonment issues and her longing for a family and why that's on the top of her mind right now. Yeah. And why it's, like, breaking her heart. And also why she is now going to Kylo instead of kind of pushing him away, that she's actually wanting to confront him about this stuff and ask him kind of questions about like how can you reject everything that i've ever wanted yeah yeah and so uh past that when ray goes into the cave and she's she's seen everything and she's seen that she's kind of alone in her journey she has this little passage when her tears finally ebbed ray lifted her head she knew who she had to talk to about the cave and what she had sought and what it had shown her someone who would understand how solitude and loss could eat away at you until there was nothing left kyle Bum, bum, bum. Also known as Ben. Ben Solo. Ben Solo, no. I, I I do like that Ray immediately. The first thought she has is, is that ben. she needs to go talk. And they're not getting along at this point. No. She just knows that he's a sad boy. She's like, he'll know. She just knows that he makes bad decisions and he hates himself for it, but he feels like he needs to do it and he's... Again, it's, I love the, who can understand how solitude and loss could eat away at you until there's nothing left. Because that is. Yeah. She could have went to that Luke. That is Ben Solo. Yeah. Because that's also happening to Luke. But Luke has not been receptive to her at all, so. Whatsoever. She's like, and Kylo keeps showing up for some fucking reason. And maybe reason, that's so. why they ended up cutting the fatherly, like, kind of moments with Rey. Because mm-hmm. they do want to emphasize that. Luke is rejecting her, basically. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, this is where the force, the force hut smut hut happens smut hut. and admittedly like it's written like it happens in the movie but there are some like interesting excerpts because she's she goes to the hut she's trying to activate the force bond with him mm-hmm. she's actively uh, searching for him she had closed her eyes opened them and found kylo ren there right next to her where she sat on a stone bench and as, as if she could actually reach out and touch his hand his face and his hair his hair platonically of course of course, that's what you want to do. Yeah. When you are not at all attracted to a person, you just want to touch him. I, con- I constantly just think of how close you are to me right now, and I can just touch you, your hair, and your face. That's what I think about all the time. Don't touch me with your sweaty hands. At the sight of him, she felt relief surge through her. Krylo listened intently, his long face impassive as she told him about being drawn into the cave and into the stone, and how it was the journey that led to nothing, no revelation, except how alone she was. You're not alone, he insisted, and she believed him. Neither are you. I think she called, I think you called him Krylo. I think that's how you pronounce it. Did I say Krylo? I think you did, but that's okay. No, I'm just gonna keep it. Krylo listened intently. (laughs) He listened with his crying face. Yep. But no, I I enjoy that immensely. I do too. And their fingers actually touched. She (gasps) grasped his hand, jolted by the contact, and saw the same shock had gone through him. 
And then Luke comes in. I'm like, Luke! Wait. I know this happened in the movie. So, but no, because she said he grabs. Oh, there's. Have I not told you about like some gifts that came out today? No. Hold on. We're, is we're... there extended? Is there extended cuts? So there's a, a making of documentary that's mm-hmm. going to be on the DVD, mm-hmm. and just some gifts of it have come out. And there's definitely takes where they're like, they're like intertwined in the, when they're like that. Yeah. Like, and it's like so Cause cute because they, yeah. they touch, and then she goes. Yeah, and it's, it's, and it's actually, like, it's Kylo that kind of, like, wraps around first, and it's... Ah! I just, I'm like, I feel robbed! <laughs> how dare you not put that in the I movie! Mean, I do, I do just love how, like, intimate... Right, and how shot like, just, just the, barely... The barely touching is. I do love that, but at the same time, knowing that there's shots... And Especially because, like, in the movie, isn't it, like, his finger that twitches first? Yeah, He's like, and... hello? He's like... Touch. Meanwhile, me and you are just like weirdly grasping each other's <laughs> hands while doing that. So sensual. That's gonna like, just so be so loud on the microphone. You're welcome, ASMR. But there's, don't you like these extreme? In volumes? one of the in one of the clips that was uh, released, this is kind of a leak, but I'm I'm gonna talk about it anyway because it's not something that they say. It just kind of wanted something in the footage. It's the footage from the end of the movie when Ray and Kylo are talking to each other for the last time. Mm-hmm. Not the final force bond scene, but before she leaves Snoke's throne room. And I'm not sure if it's just how they cut the scenes back and forth together or if there was a version of this. But there's a version, potentially, just how it reads in the documentary. Where when Kylo's like, well, I want you to join me, please. Mm-hmm. Where he says please twice. And it's heartbreaking. Or you just like the please, and then you just it's a like five second pause, and then you just hear him say it again, like please. <laughs> and, it, and she's just like, nope. And <laughs> no! <laughs> and the, you even see that Kylo might have a bare hand in that version when they shot it. So uh. if if there's a version of this scene where Kylo asks twice, says please twice, and then tries to take off the glove to try to like <laughs> re. If he said please and then he took off the glove and then said please again, I I'm almost glad would, that version wasn't in the I movie. I say because, that can't be in the movie <laughs> because I would have never been okay again. I'd have been like Ray, how dare you? <laughs> he then approached you as Ben. Glove off is Ben. Glove on is Kylo. And, and I think that's why they ended up not. If if it's true, I'm adding a lot of context to just this behind the scenes thing. Right. And I think that's probably why they wouldn't have done that, because they kind of want to make a difference between him keeping that armor, quote-unquote, yeah. on and taking it off, and that he's still very much has we, it on right now. we are literally seeing him peel off pieces of his armor and exposing yeah. this Ben underneath. Yeah. First with the mask, yeah. and then we have the glove, yeah. and I'm like... So I think it... it Symbolism it, isn't dead. No, yeah. <laughs> At least to Ryan Johnson, it's not. To the Star Wars fandom, it is, because no one gets it. Well, they're wrong. But... The fandom's the worst, except for you guys. Except for you guys. <laughs> you guys are awesome. I, as you can tell, it's been a very stressful few days in fandom. Well, I was I was having a... Uh, this is a classic Knights of Rant tangent. I was having a big fandom stress where everything was getting to me and I was this close to just leaving the internet again and then Daisy did a live uh, interview a live interview I'm like you know what I'm gonna watch it just to see and then at one point Annie Gutierrez who does the Star Wars show she was doing the interview she is just saying something in response to her and 
she is kind of implying that Ray's hopefulness at certain times can be a weakness. And she's like, yeah, because she's so hopeful and sees light in people who are perhaps irredeemable, something like that. Mm -hmm. And Daisy's like, Kylo's not irredeemable. She, like, interrupts her. She's like, no. She's like, shut your mouth. Shush. That boy, he he did a good thing in the movie, even though, like, yeah, killing someone's awful, but he did it to save Ray, And that's, and Ray still sees that as, oh, there's still a glimmer, there's still something there that can be saved. And I love how Daisy speaks about Ray, about how these traits that can be seen as weaknesses, and Daisy Are says- what make us human. And, and, and she's strong. like, and that what, she you, makes them her strengths, yeah. in a way. Like, her empathy, she's not gonna let that be her weakness, she's gonna make that her strength. And I absolutely love it. And of course, everyone's like, she's a Mary Sue. Not everyone. No. Just people I don't like on the internet, but <laughs> whatever. Side tangent. People always love to think that empathy is a weakness because women are known for being more empathetic and shit. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you about this movie that I thought I was going to fucking hate. Side tangent. Judge Dredd. Went and saw the reboot of it, and, like, my friends dragged me to it, and I was like, whatever, it's gonna be this dumb comic action movie. But then the female character in it is, like, literally can, like, feel people's emotions, and she was such a strong character, and here was this movie that was like, yeah, it's a little stereotypical for the woman to have the power where she can, like, feel other people's emotions and Mm -hmm. shit like that, but she turns that to be, like, her biggest strength in the movie, and never once does, like, the main character in it be like you're fucking weak and you can't kill people the way I kill people. No, he was like, no, we're partners and we're gonna get through this together. And I'm like, fucking God, empathy is not a weakness. And especially with Star Wars, I feel like with Luke, Luke is a very empathetic character, obviously with Vader. And Luke is almost put up on this like pedestal because of it. Because it's a traditionally feminine trait that Mm -hmm. um, now, uh, that a man can have. And you're like, wow, so brave. But, like, if a woman has a feminine trait, suddenly it's something to be ashamed of. Yeah. Which just makes me very angry at a lot of people who think that way. But let's move forward to some happier times. Yeah. Ray and Kylo flirting. Oh, perfect. <laughs> oh, awesome. it's it's so good. Because when Ray sends herself in the box mm-hmm. to Kylo, this is the flirtiest scene I have ever read. And I wish... I don't know if it was something that was ever filmed, but it was in both the this, the novel and the Dinner novelization. Mm. So part of me wonders if it was in the script, and it was just a little too lighthearted for the moment, because because yeah, they were like they're about to go kill Snoke. Okay, maybe not. <laughs> and Ray is very eye rolly, and I'm not sure if they wanted to make Ray seem more nervous mm-hmm. because in this version of events, she's not. She's like Kylo shows up with stormtroopers, and she's like, "Really, bro? Come on!" And he's like. Yeah, I, I have appearances. Come on, man. And Pretend you're impressed. Yeah, there's they kind of have a cute little back and forth, and he's, like, smiling at her, and everyone's describing him as being, like, oh, she's funny, because uh, he wants the... He's asking for the lightsaber. He's like, uh, that belongs to me. And she's like, weird, because it called out to me in uh, in Takudana and Starkiller. So... Are you sure it doesn't belong to me? And then they like he almost laughs at that, and I'm like, that's so cute. I but wish. I get it does kind of break the it intensity does, of the moment because you're like, what's happening right now? Is Kylo like even though the first time I saw it, I was not like, 
oh, Kyla's taking her prisoner. I was like, something else is going on here. Mm -hmm. But for other people who haven't read into that yet, they're like, oh my god, he's betraying her again. And you're like, oh, no. 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 The the corner of Kyla's mouth twitched in the beginning of a smile, and then he inclined his head to the soldiers filling the hangar. You're in no no position to dictate. (laughs) Like, like that's so, it's so cute. Yep. And, I mean, this is like the epitome of, like, enemies to complicated enemies (laughs) storyline right here it's complicated and there's a point where ray is like she's still in the coffin and she has the saber and she's still lying down and kylo asks for the saber and she says that she ray was tempted to tell him to come and get it but then but then she like she decides not to right because like you're laying down she's like come and get it why don't you come and get it big boy This and then is she's like, like oh, she's like, oh, there's, there's other people here. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't be inviting him into my, my weird coffin, my weird space bed thing that says property of Han Solo. <laughs> yeah. I mean, except for that, Ben should get in there. Because... Ben would be like, uh, this is <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm not going to finish my sentence. Like, I'll want... show you dad property of Han <laughs> Solo. <laughs> I'm going to make sure to. I'm gonna let this podcast be weird. We've been doing this for a long ass time. It may not seem like we've been recording that long if you've been listening. That we've been doing this podcast for a long ass time. We've been recording for a long time and I've also been awake for 15 or so hours. We've been recording for at least, I think, two and a half hours. Dear God. Yep. Move, but look, we're so close to the end. We're still at 12! Can you count? There's seven! I'm sitting over here. <laughs> Dear Lord. Uh, but yeah, like, they are now in Snoke's throne room, and this is when Snoke is beginning to, uh, torture Rey a bit. Mm -hmm. Kylo Ren had remained kneeling in the throne room as Snoke tormented Rey, his face in an impassive mask. Now he looked up in surprise, his eyes locked upon his master. Snoke ignored the pleading looks on Kylo's face, just that he ignored the sickly waves of pain and confusion that rolled out from him from the Force, but he did not ignore the fear in Rey's face. Um, and this is right after... Uh, Snoke had just been like, I created the bond between you two. Hmm. And I'm like, my poor baby. He's like, don't hurt her. He's like, stop it. Stop it. And, yeah. I Later on in this passage, uh, Snoke actually really kind of talks about how he feels about Kylo slash Ben. And how he's kind of sensing that Kylo might be pretty worthless to him now. Hmm. And he's like, well, I'll make him kill Rey, and then I'll decide if I'm going to kill him after that. So, my poor boy is just trashed to this monster. Who did, who has been tormenting him his whole fucking mm-hmm. life. And the fact that, even though, the, I, the book, the book, and both books are written from the point of view that Kylo didn't know going in that he was going to kill Snoke. In which we know from Ryan that was the intent that Kylo did know. Mm-hmm. So... Clearly that wasn't in the script, but it was the actor and the director's intent. And yeah, the movie is what is canon. is the canon. So I believe what Ryan says, even though I admit I believe it because that's what I want. Right. But I think that's also, I think Ryan saying that's what me and the actor's intent was makes it more legitimate than no, absolutely. a guy who just read the script and watched the movie, you know? Yeah, I, I completely agree because the movies have always been the source material. 
The next thing I want to read out is from the perspective of Finn, and it's kind of when he's really deciding to join the fight. There's not much to, like, break down here. I just really liked how this was written. Finn had fought. It had taken him a while to understand that running wasn't an answer, but he had figured it out. He had fought to save Ray at first, but Poe had been right. This was far larger than one person, or two, or two billion. And so Finn had fought for Poe, too, and for General Organa, and for Rose, who'd lost her sister and her parents and her planet, and had responded by fighting even harder. He hadn't won. That was an annoying detail, to say the least, but he had fought. This is right before Uh, they're about to be executed. Right. And so I just really like... Well, he was like, okay, I did what was right. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I know what I did was right, Mm -hmm. even if I'm dying here. It, like, it... I love, like, they, they didn't win. That was an annoying detail. Yeah. But like, at least he knew he had done the right thing. Yeah, I like and that And I think a lot. that was, I just think that was beautifully written. I will give Jason Fry some street cred there. There were some things about this book that I don't love. I think some of the, there are some pacing issues because when it comes to the moments Jason are, is writing for himself, like mm-hmm. the new scenes, he I think he, he does a good job. Mm-hmm. But it, when it comes to the scenes that are written in the or that are in the movie mm-hmm. just kind of fast forwards through them and he says like, he like, what you up. see <laughs> you saw the movie guys you, you saw know. it which again it's something i can't really fault him for no. but it is kind of a, a pacing issue yeah i mean let's be transparent here i do the exact same shit in like fan or like role oh, plays when yeah. i'm like if i'm taking if it's something that's happened in, in an episode i'm like Bleh, and then we skip that's to- true i actually like it this is a a thing in fan fiction that I'm actually more than okay with because I don't need you to explain when I'm reading a, a fan fiction, I'm starting at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And if it's an in-universe fanfic, I don't need you to build this universe for me because yeah. I I know I saw the movie. Yeah. I don't need you to so explain I guess the fight. I scene can't to really me. confront that fault at that much. Yeah. Cause. Unless you're gonna insert things like what they're thinking during mm-hmm. these canon scenes, which I guess he probably didn't feel comfortable doing. Yeah. But So we cut back to Ray and Kylo and they fought the Praetorian Guard. Something that I did really like that was addressed was that in the novel, again, this could be erased in episode nine. In these novelizations, we have to expect that some of these things just may not matter. They say that the the crystal was broken in half. Ooh. And right now I'm going to headcanon that Ray gets one piece and Kylo gets the other piece. And I think that would be aces. Because then it kind of, like, wraps together, like, the it belongs to me, like, motif mm-hmm. that Kylo has, because it kind of felt like it sort of did belong to him, mm-hmm. but then the crystal, like, ah, I'll break in half, that way you both get this legacy piece of me. Not only that. Also, you guys are soulmates. Also. Friendship necklaces! Oh, man, also, merch that I can make in my store. Squadron goals. <laughs> Check it out. <laughs> now it's time for our commercial break. Going to WonderCon? We'll be there on Saturday yes, at the Elhoffer Design Booth. Mm-hmm. So come say hello and buy some stuff. Or just say hello. Or just buy some stuff. Either yeah, one. one of the two. Yeah, it'll be great. Or both. Either, either That's our commercial break. Back Thank to you. the quotes. Back to quotes. Uh, after the crystal breaks in half. Because I always thought the crystal kind of broke in half. Because there's an explosion after what? That doesn't happen if you just break metal in half. Yeah. Obviously something that sort of had to have the crystal for that sort of power to release. I agree. But Story Group had said there was nothing to insinuate that it broke in half. But I'm like... Yeah, the explosion. The explosion. And also, <laughs> I always thought it kind of looked like one half was in one side of the crystal and the other half was on the other side when Ray looks at the broken pieces, but... Same. And also, I really just want Ray to build her own thing. Mm-hmm. 
I want her to have her own fucking lightsaber. But, yeah, I think it would be really freaking cool if that's how they kind of end the series is with the two halves of the broken saber. Yep. And it's poetic in it's a good poetic, sense. poetic, and I want Rey to have a, her own thing. She's going at, like, she has to rebuild her lightsaber. That She can't just, like, duct tape it back together. Well, right, right, right. But I want her to, yeah. one, like, I want her to have her own kyber crystal. And that might be too much of a movie. Her going on the journey to get her own crystal. Yeah, and th- that's too much, I think. I want it. I think she... she Wait, there's a time skip! There's too... I think there's too much urgent things going on that if she has most of a kyber crystal, or at least part of it that works, yeah, she's gonna use it. Another interesting thing is that it looks like, Ky- like Kylo's saber is actually just built off his original saber, like his young gun saber. Oh. Yeah, now that we have like high definition photos mm. of Ky- of Ben Solo's saber, mm-hmm. it is basically just the silver version. <laughs> and he um, spray painted it black. B- besides, it doesn't have the vents on it, but he built it later. And then he's just like, now it's black because I'm evil. Then we get some but spray it's the exact paint same from, shape. from Space Home Depot. I love my evil boy so much. I'm edgy. He's so edgy. And so they are knocked unconscious, and this is after Kylo wakes up, and Rey is gone. What happened? <laughs> Kylo asked. Where is she? Uh, Snoke's escape shuttle's gone, the general replied. Thank you. Uh, Kylo considered that. Rey had recovered first. She must have realized he was at her mercy, yet she'd let him live, almost as if she cared for him. <laughs> I just, I like them adding bits like this because it really adds to how heartbroken Kylo is and that he's really acting out at the end of it because he really thought Rey cared about him. Yeah. And so when he leaves her, or she leaves him alive, Mm -hmm. he's like, man, it's almost like you cared for me, but clearly not. But obviously not because she left. Because she left me and I don't know what I did wrong. I was so nice. I, I only said, said I was going to kill a bunch of people. He didn't, well, he didn't say that verbatim. No, it's true. It he was just a I only implied I was going to kill my mom and all her friends. <laughs> I was going to let them die. Jeez, but I said please. And that's what my mom always said she to said do. it was the magic word. Not magic enough. I'm no. a Jedi and I couldn't make it work. Yeah, it just, I, I like that they emphasize that that is kind of the root of Kylo's pretty manic change at the end. Because mm-hmm. it was something when I first saw the movie that I was kind of almost wondering what was up, if mm-hmm. there was something else going on. Because he goes from being kind of really collected, not collected, but collected in as much as Kylo can be right. when he's with Rey. Because he really only interacts with Rey up until that those points. I mean, kind of a little bit with Snoke. Mm-hmm. But he's still kind of... Has a calmish mm-hmm. air, but he becomes so manic at the end of it. Yeah, well, it makes sense because one with Ray and two, he doesn't have Snoke fucking looming over his thoughts anymore. Mm. Which he's kind. We've it's been implied that he, Snoke's always been inside his head. Yeah. So, so this is like a new type of loneliness, a yep. new low because he's like the girl I though- like left, and the creepy guy who won't leave me alone is also gone, <laughs> and. It's kind of like this ultimate low, even though, obviously, Snoke, we want him to be gone. Yeah. But Kylo's really never been... He's lonely, sure, but... But it's kind of a, a Stockholm whole... Syndrome thing, where, mm-hmm. like, you can miss your 
captor because like you were so conditioned to them mm-hmm. for so long and go a little crazy for it but mm-hmm. this is actually my favorite uh passage in the book it's a scene that was cut from the movie or i'm not sure if it was ever even filmed but it's ray basically as she's leaving kylo Ray had stood over Kylo, lying unconscious on the floor of the throne room after the detonation of Luke's lightsaber, and she had very clearly seen what she could do. It would be so easy to take up his blade, ignite it, and end his life. How many lives would the work of a few moments save? How much darkness would have been prevented? She had stood in the throne room and seen herself do it, and yet she had immediately known that she wouldn't. Luke's error had been to assume that Ben Solo's future was predetermined, that his choice had been made, her error had been to assume that Kylo Ren's choice was simple, that turning on Snoke was the same as rejecting the pull of the darkness. The future, she saw now, was a range of possibilities, which were constantly reshaped by the outcome of of events that seemed minor and decisions that seemed small. It was very hard not to see the future that dominated your hopes or fears as fixed and... It was very hard not to see the future that dominated your hopes and fears as fixed and immutable, when in fact it was just one of many. And more often than not, awareness of the Force wouldn't help you find the path through those branching, twisting possibilities. The Force could show you the future, certainly, but which future? The one that was to be, or the one that you yourself would bring about drawn to it helplessly, even if that was the future you most hoped to avoid? Ray had learned that the Force was not her instrument, that in fact, it was the other way around. Just as Kylo was its instrument, despite his determination to bend it to its will, he would one day learn that, she sensed, the Force was not finished with him, and that meant Kylo's life was not hers to take, whatever future she thought she saw ahead of him. Ray would wait, however difficult that would be to do as the First Order warships descended on Crate, she would wait, and the future would unfold as the Force willed. That had always been true. The difference was now that she understood it. I love this. Also, the real test was, could you tell when we switched? Yeah. Team same voice. Yeah, team same voice. Oh, yeah, this has been a long, difficult thing of reading passages that we're not very good at doing. But when you do a book review... You gotta read them. In a book covering. But I... I this is, to me, the most important this. passage of the book. Mm-hmm. That Ray... Because, like, this is a very important scene. Like, why didn't Rey kill him? Yeah. And I think it's a very powerful thing that she essentially saw this future and she wants to give him a chance to make that future happen. And she's not going to be the one that takes it away from him. And she even has this real, like, this thought of, like, how many lives would she save by doing this? But it really does show that she does care about him mm-hmm. and that she is aware that him making good decisions with the position that he's in is not easy is not is not easy and once he can make those decisions it can do a lot of good yeah so i i really loved the whole bit about how like the force can show the future but which future the one that was to be or the one that you yourself would bring about to it help like drawn to it helplessly i really love that bit because it's very much it's very much the chosen one in syndrome where you're like <laughs> Do I create this? Because with Anakin, like, we'll, f- like, flashback to Anakin and Padme. By seeing this vision, mm-hmm. he w- kind of made that future happen. Yeah. Was it always 
th- was this future always going to happen regardless of what he did or, or did he create it by yeah. willing it to happen because yeah. they even say even if it was the future you most hope to avoid and that's obviously directly referring to absolutely anakin's uh vision with padme and this whole bit was just really beautiful and they bring they bring about ray would the ray would wait however difficult it would be and she knows how much destruction is going to be caused, uh, but she would still wait. And that really brings us back to earlier in the book, like we talked about, how Ray's good at two things, uh, salvaging broken things and waiting. Mm-hmm. And these are both Jason Fry inventions. They are not things that were in the movie with words. But since, since they were both Jason Fry inventions, like, they clearly have to do with each other. Even yes. though the first time Ray is thinking it is in perspective with Luke, it's really kind of brought full circle at the end here. Absolutely. Because she she, she didn't really wait too long around for Luke, but... No, not at all. <laughs> she, she waited like three she days. She said, you like, lied uh, to me way too often. I gotta go. Yeah. And I love that, the bit that she sensed that the Force wasn't finished with him and that she senses that he is part of this story and they're going to do something... Together, there's a bigger plan that the Force has for the two of them. Yep. And um, this is a bit that I wonder if Ryan, like, consulted on a bit. Mm -hmm. Because it is a little bit stepping on Nine's toes, a little bit. Which is interesting because he so refused to do it anywhere else. Yeah. And I feel like this is the first bit that really kind of is sneaking into the themes of Nine. And it's the part that I so desperately wanted in the movie that we didn't get. I know. Because you're like, what happened? Tell me! And, and they're like, no. It would be really hard to convey all of that. I guess you could just see her looking at his lightsaber and then not doing anything. Yeah. And then instead throwing it down and leaving. And that would have been enough for me. Yeah, like, I don't even think she, because she, I like that she doesn't even pick it up. Because that's oh, something yeah. Luke did. That's true. And yeah, I like right. how she is like, that's something I would not do. And so she doesn't even take those steps that Luke took. So I was like, took. I don't want her to ignite it, that's for sure. Oh yeah, definitely but not ignite it, but I like that she doesn't even, even touch, touch it. it. Because, like, even in that thought process, she said she, that's something she would have never done. Yeah, so she, she, It's something that she doesn't even consider. She acknowledges that it's something that she could do. And yeah. that's more, like, for the audience. That's a meta thing for the audience, being yeah. like, Ray knew that that was something she can do. It's not that she was just busy and was thinking about other things. She knew that was something that she could do, but she also knew it was something that she would never do mm-hmm. because she sensed there was there was still something there worth saving. Yeah. And it's going to... And I feel like, hopefully, the themes of that passage... Translate. Translate to nine. Hopefully. Because a lot of there's a lot of things in this book. Um, the one thing that I did really like in the junior novelization especially, it's also in this book is Luke and Leia's conversation Mm -hmm. because we've talked about it before with our discussions of that scene Mm -hmm. when they have the no one's ever really gone Mm -hmm. moment moment I was kind of afraid it was a moment to be more like no one's really gone meaning like we still have our memories even if people are dead we have our memories in mm-hmm. our past that we can cherish and i was like no that was him saying ben's not really gone they but- emphasize that in the book a lot good <laughs> leia's literally thinks oh so luke can't save ben because he knows luke luke's messed up and luke can't save ben we've talked about this yeah, so i'm no, gonna say can't. this analogy before if if you were over my bed with a knife and then i woke up being like whoa hey and you're like, I wasn't actually going to do it. I thought about it. 
I was just thinking, and I, then I was like, what a bad idea. that was. I'm, we're not friends anymore. Why not? <laughs> Why not? I didn't actually do it. You're still over my bed in my sleep with a lit, with a lit knife. With a lit knife. <laughs> with an unsheathed sword. And so I get. With a loaded gun. And also, yeah, if I get really messed up about this, I'm not, tr- I don't trust you. I don't want people to trust you. I get mad that people look up to you. Mm. And I get that completely. When you put yourself in those shoes. Why? I didn't do anything. I understand where Kylo is in his views of Luke and his family completely. Because if that happened to me, and it was a hero. Everyone thought he was a hero, a legend. Could do no wrong, messiah. And... He literally was like, you were sleeping one day and he was over your bed with a knife. And he's like, oh, man, I wasn't really going to kill you. Well, you, you, you know, you have some got bad this tendencies. Dear God, I, so boy, I get you. But Leia recognizes that because of what happened between them, Luke can't be the one to save him. And in the junior novelization, she even has a thought of being like, well, maybe that Ray girl can help Ben somehow. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. this is good stuff. And this is another cute moment where they've landed on Crate and this back of the resistance. So this is Finn basically acknowledging that they need they need time. Uh, they need time for help to come, uh, Finn said, for Ray to return with Skywalker, for Leia to figure out a plan, for the First Order to mess up, for a miracle. What are we going to do, not fight? We have to take out that cannon. Poe nodded, smiling at Finn, and Rose grinned. You said the magic word, she said. What, fight? Finn asked. She shook her head and gave him another smile, one with real affection. Her her eyes, he saw, were wet. We. Load up, Poe said. Let's do it. Aww. I, I love that little back and forth. Wee. And she's so excited that, like, that he he really like, has joined it. And he's he's part he's, of it. Yep. We have, we have to, to take off that cannon. And then she's like, what, fight? Is that the word? No, it's we. We, we have to do that. I, oh. Uh, Meaning you're going to be there. Again, together. there are some really great moments with Finn and Rose in this book. There's really great moments with Rose and there's really great moments with Finn. Mm-hmm. I just don't like the passages that just really, again, time and time again. It mm-hmm. happened nearly every time it was from Ray's POV, or not Ray, Rose's POV. I, I apologize. I know probably many times during this podcast I'm going to say Ray instead of Rose when I meant it's that. Just, it's just All of their names, Ray, Rose, Poe, it's all Ren. They're all the same. I mean, Finn. They're all like very. They're very short and concise, yeah. which is good for names, but also. So, Ray. So, Ren, Ray, Rose, Poe. Po. No, it would go Finn, Finn. Ren, mm-hmm. Ray, Rose, po. Rose, Poe. Yeah, yep. Okay, that's the tongue twister. Yeah, do it. Finn, Ren, Ray, Rose, Poe. No. Uh, wait. Finn, Ren, Ray, Rose, Poe. Yeah. Yep. There we go. Finn. They're all very short and sort of sound like each other if you go through a line like that. And also, just having it start with two, like, R's. No, it's over. Yeah. I'm doomed. Yeah, so I, I apologize. I probably do that a lot when I mean We're old, Rose. and we're like parents. You know how your parents sometimes call you by your sibling's name? Yep. Or sometimes the dog's name? Yep. <laughs> yep. All the time. <laughs> Lord. My dog's fucking name was Frisky and Kiba. Frisky! And my parents have called me both of those. I mean, my dogs have old men names, so I've got... But, I mean, at, at least they're, they're human names. names. Yeah. Little Henry. <laughs> Back on the First Order side of things, 
This is something I'm taking because this is a gloat point for me. Because I, a long time ago in a Tumblr far, far away, and it was actually my deleted Tumblr, I'd written a meta all about how the First Order was essentially the evolution of the Jedi Order, but obviously extreme, but the Jedi Order was going down a pretty bad path. And I really like that it's addressed in this book, because I got a lot of hate for that, because a lot of people really like the Jedi Order. We are people that think they recognize were, its flaws. Yeah, recognize its flaws. They were pretty shitty at the end. Yeah, they were. I definitely like what the Jedi should stand for. Yeah. But near the end, they were pre- they were pretty shit. They were pretty shit, and a lot a lot of bad happened in their name. Honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is from Hux's point of view. The Jedi had deserved their fate. Brendel said. Brendel was his father. As there was from the training regiments of the Republic clones. The Elder Hux had forged elements of both orders to create an army of soldiers trained as soon as they left the cradle. An army that had originated under the Empire, but achieved its full glory under the First Order and a younger Hux. So in a sense, the First Order stormtroopers were the Jedi's legacy. The Hux smiled at that. It would be the Sorcerer's final legacy then. In reference to Kylo. Right. He calls Kylo the Sorcerer. (laughs) I like that. Sorcerer! He's a sorcerer! But this was always a point that... Because the clones and the Jedi are good characters. They're, they the, they're the ones you root for. But I like how the sequel trilogy, even if it's subtly and it's just in the books, are recognizing the flaws in the creation of the clones and how the Jedi fought. Yeah. And the really clones, addressing it here. The clones in particular are when you're like, the, for, the fucking Jedi Order was fucked up. They were mm-hmm. taking human well it doesn't even matter if they're human or not but they were taking baby children very young young children. sentient beings and throwing them for cat and fodder mm-hmm. throwing them against machines with no living souls just being like oh eh. the, the clones yeah. yeah sorry no yeah but yeah no yeah, the, with the, uh, kids the too kids, they were taking kids but they were like literally breeding people mm-hmm. to get killed by machines exactly like, and that's they, fucked up and they thought that was the same as droids which is almost why in the in the Clone War, were the Separatists, even though they were the enemies, were they morally right? Because they just fought with droids. No one was really being hurt. Of course, yeah. you can make the wonder were the droids sentient, but they're not supposed to be. The Roger Roger droids, just, they're funny. They're, they're not funny. supposed to be sentient, yeah. though. And so they can be just fodder because no life is lost. Yeah. But yet with the clones, they treated them like they were just fodder. Yeah. But th- they, they were living, breathing people. Who were all sentient and all had their personalities, which is why the Clone Wars is so good. It's so good. And you see some of them defect because they just want to have a normal life. They didn't ask to become soldiers, and it's mm-hmm. so fucking heartbreaking. And you're like, wait, our good guys are doing this? Mm-hmm. That's very questionable to me. And I like that The Last Jedi really brought that point home, and I think that's why a lot of people were angry, because they didn't get that message of mm. the prequels, which admittedly is a little buried. And well, right, because the prequels are not well-directed. <laughs> but when you watch the Clone Wars, you re- you really get that point driven home. You do. That the Jedi weren't so great, and the way they were fighting this war was not so great. And Luke kind of even came to realize that this happened, that the Jedi weren't so great. And people are mad at Luke about that. But I was like, thank God, Luke! Thank God someone's paying attention. Yeah, someone was paying attention to the someone history of the Jedi. Someone read the books. He did, even though he... <laughs> even though he didn't read the books. Page turners, they were not. Yep. Mm-hmm. He actually sound closer to Yoda, not Batman. I, oh. No, it's opposite. I can't that's, ever sound like Batman. That's right, you can't sound like Batman. 
Batman. <laughs> it's just a deeper voice to Yoda. No, no, I'm always Yoda no matter what. Good job. Thank you. Good job. Clearly, there's a lot more of this book that I would probably pull by at the That point. was basically the whole book. <laughs> that was a lot of the book, and that was all the sticky notes that I had. I know there was a few more things I, I kind of wanted to go into, but we covered a lot of the book. And yeah. like a, in a final note, the just to address the, the final force bond scene between Rey and Kylo, there was just the one bit. Uh, because this is the one force bond scene that's from Kylo's point of view in the book. And it's the one force bond scene that's from Kylo's point of view in the movie, too. Uh, he stared at Rey. She stared back at him. Her gaze level and unafraid. There was no hatred in her eyes as there once had been. But there was no compassion either. And I... I a lot of people, especially in the Raylo community, because if you didn't know, hi, I'm one of those. <laughs> but we're kind of freaked out about this line because there says there's no compassion there. But literally starts off with being like, well, she, she feels... She, yeah, it starts off with, like, she doesn't hate him as she once did. Mm-hmm. Like, it really addresses that her feelings towards him have really changed. That's an improvement, guys. Yeah. And with Ryan's commentary, I'm sorry, this is sort of a leak, but I kind of want to address it because I feel like it's important to talk about here. Uh, a little leak of Ryan's commentary came out where Ryan establishes that the point of this scene is to leave you wanting more. Mm-hmm. And it a lot of uh, people who are not so for the Ray and Kylo stuff kind of took this scene as, oh, that's the end. They're never going to talk to each other ever again. No. Which, guys. Guys, you know there's going to be a whole other movie, I'm, right? I'm going to go let you know. There's a whole other movie. And I'm going to let you know what the conflict is. The conflict itself is Kylo. He is the conflict. Yeah. Because while he's... He's conflict think- manifested. Yeah, because you can say the conflict is about the resistance versus the First Order. But... You don't know enough about the resistance in the First Order to really say that's the main conflict. Because what is the First Order doing besides being evil? They blew up some planets. But, like, what what are they doing for in terms of, like, a plot? And you not know? Besides that. just being evil. And the resistance, they're, they're just being good. Yeah. Kylo here is, the, he is the story. And not only that, he has ties to both the resistance and the First Order. So even if that is the main conflict, that's still Kylo. Mm-hmm. He is, like, he is the son of the leader of the yeah. resistance. Ray is the main character, but Kylo is the conflict, and so therefore these two need to interact. Yep. And Ryan kind of said the point in this scene is to put a little cap on it, but to want the audience being like, "Well, what happens between them next?" And you're like, yeah. so clearly that's going to be a like a thing addressed in nine, wow. because cl- clearly it is. Yeah. I don't know. I've I've just been all. This is some salt time. Salt planet crate. Boom. We're here. It just gets really tiring when, especially when you're like someone like me who's for the Kylo redemption and likes right the thought of Ray and Kylo being together. Mm -hmm. And you get these really great quotes from the directors from the books that really emphasize that their relationship is really important to them and their relationship is intimate and their relationship is romantic. That is. These are all things that have been said. Mark Hamill called it a romantic tension. Yeah. Ryan Johnson said it was the closest thing that Star Wars has had to a sex scene. Yeah. And yet people keep arguing, will like, be like, oh, blah, blah, that didn't happen. He was lying. It was a joke. And it just gets really infuriating If sometimes. everything is a lie and everything is a joke, then why even pay attention to anything anyone But yet says? when a quote has no backing or no proof that it even happened, it just supports your narrative 
the glue to that and everything else that we can have we have video proof of articles and in the new york times for why have that, facts when you can use lie. your feelings as your facts thank you philip defranco Philly D. We, I, I honestly should get that shirt, though. You should. And then just put a little bot, just like, About write Star in Wars. It. <laughs> yeah. And then put a little patch. Yeah. Staple it on. It just makes discussion pretty infuriating, because when you, when you are talking to someone who disagrees with you on that stance, I'm definitely fine. You, people have different opinions. People Absolutely. may like things or may not like certain things. And I am totally okay with people not liking certain things. But when you refute facts. Yeah. And you only... Uh, and then you kind of refute it by saying, well, it was a lie. This makes this conversation impossible for me. Yeah. Because I'm telling you, oh, well, uh, JJ said that, uh, he compared uh, Ray to Cinderella, and then he, then afterwards called Adam, Kylo, he looks like a prince. He's Mm. saying, like, these things that kind of emphasize that they're dynamic, or they're sort of the prince and princess of the relationship. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'll say this, and then when you reply, well, that's a lie, he was joking. I can't argue with that. Besides being like, no? No. <laughs> and that's what it, just, what it kind of feels like. Where's your facts? Show me that that was a lie and a joke. Show me where he said that later And on. I don't mean to bring in, like, the sexism aspect for it, because this happens when we go to parties a lot. Like, both me and you are big nerds, so when we go to events, it's also with people with who are big nerds who also like Star Wars, and want to talk to us about things and then when we're like but this this and this and they go well that's not true and i'm like brings out literal encyclopedia points at page and i'm still just like well i'm like no it it just happens a lot so it gets really tiresome when you feel like you need to bring when us as women i'm sure this happens to men too but we feel like we need to carry around an encyclopedia of star wars knowledge all the time to prove that we're, we know what we're talking about. Yeah. And... And then even when you have the encyclopedia, you're still told that you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You're like, what the f... You're, you're told that you should want better for yeah. a movie or something. Like, no, this is what I want. <laughs> no. God. I got what I, I wanted. I got it. I understood it. You just didn't understand it. Yeah. Like, don't call me an idiot because you didn't understand it. Yeah. That's what it... Honestly, yeah. in a nutshell, and I... Because I didn't need things spelled out for me. You're calling me, I, me an, an idiot. idiot. That's what it feels like a lot. And I know that's a bit of a pit tangent and classic Knights of Rant rant. But sometimes I just need to bring this up. Because I think this week, unless something's happened in the last 20 minutes, has been a pretty good week for things that we want in the film. And, and so therefore the conversation kind of comes up again about how we're wrong. And why we're wrong, even though... Nothing. Things are pointing that we're right. Yeah. And at this point, I just want to be like, if you really hate this as a possibility, maybe it's time for you to dis- disconnect for the sequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. Because it's like us with Rebels. We watched Rebels. We watched the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But we didn't like the ending of it. Mm-hmm. But guess what? We're going to move on. Yeah. We're just going to be like, all right, well, uh, Rebels not- wasn't for us. Yeah, and I'm not going to go on people's podcasts who like Rebels and be like, well, you guys are sh- shit for liking Rebels. Because mm-hmm. that's just, I didn't enjoy it. But that doesn't mean other people aren't allowed to. Yeah. That's, it's just not what I wanted out of it. And right now, the Star Wars universe is getting so big mm-hmm. that not everything is going to be what I want. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm going to like the Han Solo movie. I might, but right now I'm approaching that with this movie wasn't made for me. Yep. This this was this is a movie to address a different kind of like Star Wars fan. Yeah. Which I'm fine with. And 
I'm still gonna have my opinions about it. Mm-hmm. And that, that's why we have a podcast. Yeah. But we don't have, need to go into public space, spaces where people can't really avoid what they listen to or what they see. Mm-hmm. And... Bash people. And bash people. No. And, again, make them feel like they're the idiots because they didn't need things spelled out for them. I like that. That's... That's in a nutshell what this whole thing is. Yep. Anyway, guys, uh, that was The Last Jedi novelization. I wow, did, I, I feel like I read the whole book. You, you basically did. Read a lot of it. And I'm, I'm sorry, we did skip over some plot lines just because... Well, absolutely. This is already almost two hours long. And we've been recording... We've been recording at, at least, least three hours. At least, at least three, three, hours. three hours by now. So it's been a long day for us, and... Again, I didn't cover too much in the junior no- junior novelization, just because there wasn't a lot that stuck out there for me. Mm-hmm. It was very either the new things it had, it was either also in The Last Jedi. And actually, the junior novelization had a lot more things I disagreed with in terms of characterizations. Hmm. Like, they'll be like, Kylo said this very menacingly and e- evilly with a snarl. And I'm like, no, he didn't. <laughs> he said Where? It- Where? He didn't say that like that. Like... They did some characterization stuff about line delivery that I disagreed with, mm-hmm. but other than that, there was just nothing really new to break down there. Just, I like that Ray or Leia said, maybe by no one's really gone and Luke can't help him. And by Luke bringing her the dice, that meant that Luke met Ray because Luke had obviously been on the Falcon. Right. And by meeting Ray, maybe that was his way of telling her that Ray can be the one to help him. Yeah. And, like, that's what Leia's thought process was. And that that is what I like. And I think there is something along those lines in the adult novelization, too. I just can't find it. And it's been a long day. It's been a kids. long day. I want to eat some macaroni. I want an ice cream sandwich and to watch America's Next Top Model. Here we go! <laughs> you want to be on top? 